Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. I am Matt. This is Michael. He is Shane. And we are Wrestling History X. Where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. And welcome to episode 187, Big Apple Blizzard Blast. There's no mur- there's no mur- murder, death, kill here. No. No, no. Uh, also, you know. 187. Yeah, after how many episodes? Swap that intro out a little bit, threw you on your, uh, you know, EZW's not in Philly. So might as well make it a little different. Exactly. Y'all just wanted me to do it. Do some kind of nickname. <laughs> yeah, it was your turn. So this is the only Big Apple Blizzard Blast ever produced by ECW. It would take place on February 3rd, 1996 from the Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, New York with an attendance of 1,200 people. That extra extra 50 people than they can fit in the other building. Yeah. Is yeah. this the same venue from the last time we were in? Yes, I it's the same one as Holiday Hill. I had thought so, but I was just double check. Lost Battalion Hall. Mm-hmm. Every, lift up the basketball hoops. Hoops and yeah. hang the rafters. Mm-hmm. The people hanging from, from the, the rafters. rafters. Yes. <laughs> but we're in New York. Damn right we are. So what did Shane bring us this time? Well, you know, we're not in Philly for an ECW show, which is a treat all on its own. But... To tie it all in, we are in Queens. We are here for the uh, Big Apple Blizzard Blast. When I think of Queens and blizzards, there's just only one thing that comes to mind, and that would be Dairy Queen, home of the blizzard. They have a wide variety of tasty ice cream treats. If uh, you've never been to one, I'm sorry. You're kind of missing out. This is a, a childhood favorite of mine. In the small Nebraska town that I grew up in, this was one of, like, three restaurants that we had. It's a Texas stop sign. It's what Dairy Queen's... Is it? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, like, their big oh. big marketing thing, at least in Texas, uh-huh. it was. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> Dairy Queen, home of the Blizzard, home of the Dilly Bar, home of the Peanut Buster Parfait... Ice cream cakes. Ice cream cakes, Oh, yeah. Yes. Do they still do those? Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. They've got a, a little freezer that you can just grab one out of. Yeah, that's what I remembered from uh, as a kid. In this case, they've got 18 different varieties of blizzards. So shot a text to the fellas earlier and said, pick a number between 1 and 18. And we just went random Surprise on it. Me. Yes. Uh, Michael picked number three, which was the cookie dough blizzard Matt picked number 12 it's the best number guys it's the best number and that one was the turtle pecan and then I asked Siri to pick a number and she picked number 2 which ended up being the caramel drumstick with peanuts excellent choice there Siri it tastes like a a peanut buster parfait just kind of all blended up together uh, with some piece of uh Oh, is that waffle cone? Waffle cone. Chocolate yeah. waffle cone bits yep. in there. There's little chocolate waffle cone bits. 
There's chocolate pieces itself. I'm assuming there's little caramel bits in there. I'm tasting something caramely. I don't know if that's just mixed in with the, the stuff or if they just added some caramel and blended it all in, but yeah, can't go wrong with the Blizzard. It was always a... I still do it at the restaurant I'm at now when people ask for an extra thick milkshake. I'll do it Blizzard style where I carry it out to their table upside down just to prove that it's thick. Yeah, if you've, if you've never had a, a Blizzard... My personal favorite, at least growing up anyways, I haven't had one in a while, so I don't know how they rate today, but Snickers Blizzard with chocolate ice cream, can't go wrong. It's it's almost like this, just without the, uh, it's, it's missing the waffle cone pieces. Deliciousness! Nice little that, treat. They have one that's ta that tastes like it, basically like chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, it's like really? strawberry ice cream with like a bunch of like chocolate shavings and stuff in it. That's my favorite, probably. I guess I don't have a favorite blizzard when i was a kid california i remember going to dairy queen a handful of times as a kid but it was never like a staple and then it feels like we didn't have any dairy queens in oklahoma they disappeared the only one was in Moore for yes. a long time and then it closed down and, and they've opened one i know at least you know north of here kind of between edmond and oklahoma city and I'm sure there's another one. I went to that one once when I had to like run an errand just out of curiosity. Yeah, I don't remember what I got. Midwest City or Dell City but or something like that. That was when it became a Texas stop sign for me because literally since we didn't have Dairy Queens here for the longest time, ah, okay. every time I went down to Texas, I was like, oh, Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. Yeah. Texas yeah. stop sign. Now I got gotcha. you. I was like, I didn't understand what the hell that meant at first. But yeah, no, Texas stop signs, buddies. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a um, like like hate relationship with Bucky's. Still, I've I've been by Bucky's, but I've never actually been in. Maybe you're missing out. Uh, Whatever. I have like I said, I have mixed mixed feelings, <laughs> but you know, ice cream is good. Ice cream is always good. Is, is Dairy Queen make a decent fast food burg? Is or is it just hit and miss like every other place? I haven't had one since I started working at the place I'm at now, and yeah. I after I started working there, it killed every burger that I had had before because I could taste if they were using frozen patty or you know, over-processed product or whatever. I would probably choose almost any other burger before a Dairy Queen. Like they're they're not they're not bad. Yeah, yeah. But I would probably choose any other burger yeah. over a Dairy Queen burger. Their chicken strips, though, because they give you gravy uh, and the fries. Mm. Those are pretty good. If I, yeah, I, I used to I get a grilled get, chicken sandwich from there. Food from, from them, yeah, if you weren't just going to get you some ice cream. Yeah. Which most of the time I just get ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Dairy Queen was a thing, and I feel like it just <laughs> hasn't been a thing, and now it's more of a thing than probably Burger King at this point. Cause See, Burger in Tulsa, when I lived there, they didn't have any Dairy Queens in the city, like, freestanding. Uh, they became a mall thing. I remember there was one at Promenade Mall for a while. Oh, really? But then you'd drive farther south and you'd hit, like, I want to say there was one in Okmogee. That was the, the first one that I had stopped at in Oklahoma that was a freestanding one. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I remember they had some cartoon character um, in the 90s, a la McDonald's. Dennis the Menace. Oh, they did, did they do the Dennis the Menace? Mm -hmm. Like the Walter Matthau and yeah, most of the uh, advertisements Christopher has, Lloyd. Uh, wow, they went for, like, the old... Oh, okay. I just remember the 90s Dennis the Menace. And if you can't tell by the what's on the cups now, they're, they sponsor MLB. Yes. Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. Baseball. And most of their commercials have baseball players in them. Because they have like a, 
uh, a burger called like the flamethrower and like something else. I forget what they're called, but yeah. You know, I remember the old commercial for the flamethrowers. Promotes the flamethrower. You know, yeah. Pictures are flamethrowers. Yeah, like, yeah. I want the uh, the bird killer. Randy Johnson. <laughs> the Randy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, something. Man, that's a horrible way to segue into what's happened. What happened around this time? But one of our most famous old Hollywood, old Hollywood actors, dancers, musicians, Gene Kelly would pass away the day before Big Apple Blizzard Blast. Aww. I mean, most famously, the lead in Singing in the Rain, one of... That's, what that's I the one that everyone needs to see. Yeah, great movie. A movie that I was like, oh, Singing in the Rain. It's a musical, whatever. And then I saw it a couple years ago uh, at, a, you know, how, like, um, the theater chains will do, like, the, the TMC retro. retrospective thing. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, I went and saw uh, Singing in the Rain, and I... Really didn't know what the movie was about at all. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, if somebody just told me the premise, I would have been so much more yeah. uh, interested because it was like, you know, the talkies versus silent film thing. And I was like, that's totally up my alley. And, and then it was great. And I'll tell you right now, if you liked La La Land, the end sequence of La La Land takes a lot from Singing in the Rain. I know. I need to go back and watch La La Land because I saw the La La Land before I saw Singing in the Rain. And... I didn't catch that when I watched Singing yeah. in the Rain. Yeah, I haven't. Honestly, I, I haven't watched much. Did you ever see Xanadu? Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's the standout one for me. Is yeah, that was his final film? Yeah, yeah I never. I've never seen Xanadu. I know the song, uh, and I know that the movie's talked about quite a bit yeah. as being kind of ridiculous. And uh, you know, rest in peace to Olivia and John. Yeah, just passed within the last week or two. You are magic. Uh, there's one other one that like I've. I guess I don't know if I should say a fan of, but I've, you've, you've seen. But I've seen quite recently. Uh, it was actually Brigadoon. Basically, Gene Kelly and his buddy end up finding this magical town in Ireland that like just shows up like once every hundred years uh-huh. or something like that. Some magical and, realism. And he falls in love with one of the young ladies. But they can't stay together because the town disappears. That's right. Nailed it. I mean, obviously, that's the way it should go. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be. Come on, it's obvious. <laughs> uh, but that sounds like a nice, could be a nice uh, way to tell a fun, fleeting love story. Yeah. That movie's almost 70 years old. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And still a classic. Yep. Yeah. I hope uh, that in 70 years, we're not talking about Spider-Man 64. And that we can have things... <laughs> Have things a little bit more uh, special. I mean, we've only had eight. We'd have to have a, quite a few more. Seventy years. I mean, that's sixty-four. I, mean, I just picked a number. Sixty-four is always my go-to number. Whenever I'm making that kind of lame joke. I mean, probably in seventy years, if we're still talking about No Way Home, I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, I don't feel the same way about that movie. But we're talking about Gene Kelly. Rest in peace to uh, a real one. Hey, oh, oh. Uh... Tom Holland there. He, he's, he's paid his respects to Gene Kelly. He, he even did Singing in the Rain for his lip sync That's right, he did. startup before oh, really? he flipped over to Rihanna. I think I've only Umbrella. ever seen him in Spider-Man movies. Granted, that's kind of what his <clears throat> output's been. As of late, outside of Uncharted. Very like, No way I'm watching Uncharted. Yeah, Uncharted was... There's too many other things that I have not seen to go see a thing I'm not 
particularly interested in in a video game I've never played. Yep. I rented it from Redbox, but then I never actually watched it. It was a fun action film, but there was nothing of substance. Like, you could watch... Uh, it's a Mark Wahlberg movie, so... Bullet Train. What's the uh, Rock, Ryan Reynolds movie that was on Netflix? Red uh, Notice. Yes. Yeah. Red Notice. Basically watch that movie and just think that it's Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg and, you know, worse dialogue. And you basically have the same movie. Yeah, and I'm good not enough. watching Red Notice either. So I haven't watched either one of them, so yeah. we'll see which one I end up with first. But, you know, watch Sing in the Rain if you haven't. Uh, coming from somebody who thought he wouldn't like it, you know, maybe uh, we'll enjoy it. I love me a musical, so. Absolutely. I mean, you can just go down Gene Kelly's filmography if you love musicals. Yep. They're okay. basically all. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. Yep. Let's get to Big Apple Blizzard Blast and Snow is Falling in the Graphics. As we get a logo for the show, along with location and date. And Joel Gertner, our ring announcer, welcomes everyone to the show. Before Paul E. Dangerously comes into the ring to take the mic. Paulie, Paulie. And he explains why the show's running a little bit late. It's because there's a camera crew from A Current Affair recording around ringside. And I will let you guys know, I watched The Current Affair package. Uh, I found it on YouTube. You can go out there and watch it on YouTube. It is basically them going this wrestling stuff it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Tisk, tisk, tisk. And then he makes a joke about uh, never getting laid by Deborah Norville who I assume is a anchor. Yes. For hard copy. For hard Current Affairs rival. Oh. But we go straight to our first match. The Shark Attack Kid versus Tad. With Bill Alfonso. Shark Attack Kid. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see his build-up. Yeah, he looks like he <clears throat> uh, fell out of one John Tenta. <laughs> Speaking of John Tenta, Joey Styles, as our commentator for the evening, takes a shot at him and WCW while the match is getting underway. And Fonzie takes the mic saying he hates a current affair and David Letterman. Because, you know, they're in New York. I'm like, what the hell did David Letterman do? But hey, okay, that makes sense York. now. Yeah. But the match gets going as the human suplex machine controls with ease, locking on a cross arm breaker, forcing the kid to make it to the ropes. Taz starts going suplex crazy, hitting a T-bone that lands the shark attack kid on his head. Yeah, it did. The human suplex machine telegraphs a back body drop, allowing the kid to hit a sunset flip for a two count. But Taz comes right back. With a clothesline. There's that little leg clap. The shark attack kid reverses a whip so that he can hit a drop kick. Only for Taz to fire back with an overhead suplex. The human suplex machine sets the kid on the turnbuckle to hit a super belly to belly. Before applying the Taz mission. For the submission. And, and the win. win. I mean, big ups to oh, the shark bite consumer because... Uh, the full rotation on that hammerlock suplex, getting dropped on the head by the T-bone. Uh, he was uh, a, a a real Sam Houston out there, bumping, bumping, bumping for the best of them. Yeah. Post-match, the human suplex machine calls out 911. The Todd Gordon comes out instead, saying that the big man isn't there. 
He's left the building and he doesn't know why. He doesn't want to fight Taz. And we all know now why. <laughs> yeah. As we mentioned in the last ECW episode. Mm-hmm. Polly didn't have an extra 50 bucks of night. So Alfonso invites Todd into the ring for a fight instead, knocking him on his ass. I mean, if 911's not coming out, that's a good way to distract the people. Having Todd and Bill do their little, little cat fights. Right. Oh boy, cat fight. Gordon begins to fire back when Taz would jump in to attack as well. Only for Bam Bam Bigelow to hit the ring. The beast from the east. And Bam Bam wants a piece of the human suplex machine. But Taz just takes a walk to the back. Well, that could get interesting. Absolutely. Is Bam Bam from New York or New Jersey? He's the beast from Jersey, the east. Yeah, okay, I thought he was a Jersey boy. I mean, from Beast from the East. He's definitely uh, not from Stockton. No. And the last time we saw Bam Bam was at Survivor Series 95, episode 172. Bam, bam. Been a couple of months. Just a few. Yep, he took, he took off for the holidays. I'm wondering what his music is going to sound like when he gets ECW music. What we'll, could it be? We'll probably never hear it. Maybe he plays uh, some, some Bruce Springsteen as a jersey board. Probably not. Here we get our second match. El Puerto Ricuano and Axel Rotten versus the headhunters of Mahim and Mufat with Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria. Yeah, she's got like a, a uh, Beastmaster look. She's <laughs> wearing like, you know, Mad Max, but Beastmaster. She's got a lot of fur on. Mofat is a bad name for that big man. Mofat? But I mean, it's it's fitting. Oh, he Mofat? Yeah. Ain't nobody Mofat. I couldn't tell who's uh, Mofat. Who's well, him? Yeah, Mohim and Mofat. Yeah, but I mean, him is nice Mohim. Mohim have tape on his hands across the across Oh, the yeah. I feel like they are real-life twins. They are. Okay, because they do look they have like exactly the same. I'm like... Like I want to say they look exactly the same, but it's like, what if they're? But it's like, no, there's no way they're not twins. Hmm. So the headhunters attack before the bell, hitting a double headbutt on Raquano before tossing him out to the floor, where Kane gets a shot in. Mahim with a clothesline to Rotten, followed by an elbow drop that's avoided, allowing Axel to hit several jabs, and El Puerto Ricano coming in off the top with an elbow to the top of the head. Raquano goes for a clothesline, only to just bounce off of Mahim. So the headhunter nails a tiger driver for a two count. I mean, pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Mahim with a vicious clothesline before bringing in Mofat with avalanche splashes El Puerto Burcano in the corner. The headhunters with a double press slam and a double splash for a near fall as Rotten makes the save. That double, that leg drop splash is nice. Mahim with a spine buster for a two count. Mo Fat with a headbutt south of the border, followed by Mahim going up top, where he misses an elbow drop, allowing Kano to crawl to his corner for the hot tag. Axel's unloading on Mahim when Mo Fat attacks from behind to slow the momentum. But Rotten gets back on the offense when he avoids an avalanche splash by Mahim, causing the headhunters to run into each other. Oh no! Rotten continues with the left hands, even giving one to Damien Kane, followed by a clothesline to Mahim, 
before tagging in El Puerto Ricardo, who comes in flying off the top rope with a splash, only for Mahim to kick out at zero. Oh my god. Ricardo tries for more offense with a drop kick and a clothesline, but he's closed down by Mahim, followed by the headhunter coming off the top with a moonsault Ooh. for the pin and, and the win. win. Another perfect moonsault. Yeah, I was going to say, the... The first time, I thought maybe it was a fluke because that's a big dude, but... He did it again. He did. And something to to point out, like, the pit bulls are pit bull one and two. Yep. They look different. They're both big boys. Pit bull, like, one is bald and shorter. The other one has long hair. Same outfits. But they look different. These guys are twins of probably very equal weight. Why are they not Headhunter 1 and Headhunter 2? That's Atticum names. No, it's fine. Been... But it's like, it seems like it makes more sense to give them 1 and 2 than like people that like legitimately look Pitbulls came along first. Yeah. Maybe if the Headhunters were uh, around yeah. first then we would have got they like... They would have got the 1 and 2. We can't have two. We can't have a million yeah. 1 and 2s. Because you got like Cujo and... Yeah. We can't have our, you know, destroyers Chains. and Mr. Wrestlings and whatnot. Exactly. They, even Tiger Mask, is, is, the current Tiger Mask is Tiger Mask uh, 4, but they don't even call him that. <laughs> so they just call him Tiger Mask. So we go to our third match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus Cactus Jack and Mikey Whiprick for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. With Raven. That is correct. They do have Raven in their corner. And Mikey keeps throwing the title down to demonstrate how he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, Raven's pushing him to the ring. Mikey's not feeling it. And Jack just keeps picking it up and handing it back to him. And Cactus Jack has a WWF and F. F shirt on, which prompts Perry to go grab Sign Guy's sign that says, Mikey, if Titan calls, please go. Rude. There's a chance for, uh, you know, you sold out to Cactus Jack. Damn right he did. So the match gets going. And, and he should have. Yep. And Whipwreck goes right to headlocks before trying for a crucifix, but he messes up, so he transitions it into an arm drag. Hey, pretty solid transition. And the crowd knows, so they let Mikey know that he fucked up. Yeah. You fucked up! Whipwreck goes back to headlocks before... Being thrown off by Cronus to escape, bringing in Saturn, who uses his power advantage, until Mikey delivers a pair of hip tosses before going back to a headlock. And Jack gets in the ring and pulls Whipwreck off, yelling at him, taking the mic so we can all hear the conversation as well, to tell Mikey to get the hell out of there if he isn't going to be supportive. But Whipwreck remains, because he's literally just doing the least amount of that he can do in this match. Yeah, yeah, he's doing the holds and stuff, but it's like, wrestling builds to power moves in traditionally. So, I mean, you know, he's still, he's wearing him down. He's the smaller guy. I was confused at first, and I was like, okay, I'm, I get it. But at first I was like, he's smaller. Why would he not put on a hammerlock? It only makes sense. Wear him down. Cactus Jack and Perry with back and forth action until Jack hits a back elbow and a leg drop for a two count. Mikey comes back in to lock on an arm bar. So Cash Jack just pulls him off again, allowing Saturn to super kick Whipwreck. Ah, boo. 
Saturn with a slingshot back suplex. John comes in to help out on a double-team takedown before hitting a handspring back elbow. He really, like, we've talked about it, it's like, oh, Saturn is the more athletic one, but Kronos has uh, shown his hand a few times, and this isn't just, like, a, a one-flip. He does, like, the full Multiple. thing and very well, and he is, you know, like a foot taller than Muda. I mean, probably not a foot. But, but I mean, sure... he's like a 200 and, what, I think they said 290 pounds on the TV, but if he's not that, he's really close to it because he's, he's, he's at least thick dude. at least 260 and probably more like 280. Like, I'm not 260. I'm, I'm a bigger guy, but I'm not 260. Yeah, I'm well under it. And I couldn't do anything close yeah. to that. Yeah. I'd land on my head trying that first. <laughs> and he might be a little Cartwheel. taller than you. You're not a short guy <laughs> by any means, yeah. but he's probably more like 6'3". I'm 6'3". Are you 6'3"? I am. Damn. Cronus is wearing down Mikey with a chin lock when Whipwreck looks to escape, only to run into Perry's knee on the apron. John then nails a powerbomb, followed by Saturn coming in off the top rope with a knee drop for a near fall as Jack makes the save. Perry continues the punishment with a clothesline for a two count, and the Eliminators hit a side slam second rope leg drop combo for a near fall. Nice. Overhead belly-to-belly suplex by Cronus, but it puts Mikey close enough to his corner to make the hot tag. Cactus Jack's cleaning house with right hands, a body guillotine on Saturn, forearms to John, but Perry recovers, allowing the Eliminators to double-team Jack momentarily. But Cronus telegraphs a back body drop, so Cactus Jack hits a boot to put him on the ropes, followed by a clothesline that sends them both over to the floor. A real 360 before also ducking a charging Saturn that sends him tumbling over to the floor as well. Jack then leaps off the bottom rope with a back elbow onto John, delivers a pile driver to Perry back inside the ring. But instead of making a cover, he goes to seek out a bottle from under the ring, which he proceeds to break against the ring post. I mean, it's pretty, uh, as far as ECW goes, you know, it's violent. We see stuff, but like... This might be one of the most violent acts that doesn't involve auto on on the post. It's like, Jesus, it yeah. got real. Cactus Jack rolls back into the ring to use the bottle when Mikey would jump in to stop his partner with a drop kick. Saturn would pick up the bottle to go after Jack, only for Whipwreck to super kick him, followed by a drop kick to Cronus. And Mikey keeps it up with a clothesline to Perry, back elbow to John, before heading up top to leap off with a hurricanrana to Saturn. All of a sudden, a boot gets tossed into the ring, so Whipwreck picks it up to nail Cronus, and he goes to run the ropes, only to run into Cactus Jack on the apron, which causes him to stumble, allowing the Eliminators to recover to hit total elimination for the pin and the win. And new! And that was a wicked total elimination, by the way. I mean, the total elimination... Is a great looking move. Yep. It's like, because even if, the thing is, is like, even if the person doesn't fall back correctly to take the the back bump, they're going down no matter what. So it's either going to, like, you either do it too early at the right time, or you do it at the right time and it looks good, or you are forced to take it the hard way. Yeah. And there's no way you're not going down. Because it is legitimately like the. You're either going to get a leg sweeped or you're falling. Correctly. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's 
it's a, it's a nice finisher for sure. Post-match, Raven jumps in the ring and attacks Mikey, only for Cactus Jack to stand up for his friend, throwing Raven down. But it's just because he wants to beat on Whipwreck himself, delivering a double-arm DDT onto a chair. We then clip ahead to Joey Styles in the ring with the Eliminators, when Francine comes out, saying she wants to manage them. But it's all a ruse, as the Pitbulls run in to attack the new champs, including Francine hanging Saturn with a dog collar, while Cronus gets superbombed. Yeah, he's she's hanging him uh, Dusty Graham style. You know, we've seen it a million times, but it, it always looks good, and this is with a with a chain, and he's also got it's like a the dog collar a la junkyard. So I guess he came to the ring with it on. Probably not the smartest idea, Pitbull. Unless I mean, it was put on do. him during the cut. I mean, the Pitbulls run out with it and they wrap it around Perry's head. Yeah. Uh, okay, you gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So that's why Francine is your favorite, huh? No, I'm not really into being choked. <laughs> <laughs> but to finish it all off, Francine would then have a pair of clippers and would shave Saturn's hair off. <gasps> This is where he never grows it back ever again. Correct. Nice. He was going bald. He was, he was bald now. There's some people he should probably talk to, maybe like one Tetsuya Naito. You know, just guys that do some some shabby cover-up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, Hogan should have been bald in 82. I mean, Sean did the comb-over, pull-back ponytail for the longest time to yeah. cover up the... Missing landing ship up top. Maybe one of the saddest affairs. A man with a man that made a mullet look good, and then it went quick. Yeah, that that mullet kind of called us act on him. Mm-hmm. But you know, cowboy hat covers it up nicely, and then the ponytail did the rest while he was in the ring. And plus, I mean, at this point, cowboy hat, lazy eye, yeah. nice look. We go backstage where the gangsters are hanging out in in like a stairwell, and they remind everyone that they are the top contenders before breaking a light bulb and Mustafa laughing very creepily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah, the it's New Jack nice. just grabs the light bulb and smashes it and it's like, Jesus, man. Yeah. It's like another moment where it's like, ah, it just ups the tension a little bit, kind of like the bottle break, where it's like, ah, oh, we all, we know this man doesn't care, but. Yeah, and then Mustafa's haunted house laugh cackle thing. Yeah. yeah. Would be corny from... Anybody anybody else, but it kind of works from him. We then go to our fourth match. Raven and Stevie Richards with Kimono Wanalea and the Blue Meanie versus Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas with Beulah McGillicuddy. Who fucks sheep? Oh, they're chanting. Uh, oh, I'm like, what? I think they're, I think they're chanting that uh, I like, had to read Stevie back, or like, Meanie did I fucks sheep. I was like trying to catch the name, but somebody fucks sheep. So I'd assume it's Stevie. Sure, it's probably Stevie. Probably. So Stevie refers to Meanie as Stan, as they are the fabulous ones before they do the Fargo strut. You know, Stan Lane. Oh, yeah. Steve Kern. And Beulah grinds all over Tommy to piss off Raven. So instead of starting the match, Raven tags out. And this is the, the line. If we harness the cerebral energy of Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards... We could toast bread lightly on one side. There we are. What a great line from Joey Styles. That is like Keenan level 
Jim Cornette level, like, fucking, like, what the fuck did you just say? (laughs) It's very good. I think it may be one of his uh, best lines to date. So Dreamer and Richards go back and forth until Tommy hits a clothesline to send Stevie to the floor, followed by challenging Raven to get in the ring. The franchise places a chair in the ring so, so Dreamer can hit a baseball slide into it, into Richards' face, sending him into the guardrail. That's a lot of intos. Yes. <laughs> Followed by Shane delivering a not-so-rubber band slam to Stevie. I mean, I love the innovation of the chair in ECW. You know, the, the Sabu of it all, but uh, with moments like this where it's like, oh, well, if we put a chair on the and lean it up against the first rope and we baseball slide it into somebody's face, wouldn't that look cool? And it's like, yeah, it looks great. So back in the ring, Richards tears his shirt off and changes it into one of Razor Ramones. <laughs> and that was great, by the way. Complete with toothpick. <laughs> oh, yes. Upsetting Douglas, who begins to destroy Stevie, ripping that shirt off and attempting to feed it to him. Yeah, and uh, Shane ripped that shirt off faster than Hogan has ever ripped off his own shirt. I know. It's like, did they score it? Or uh, Shane Douglas just, I mean, he probably is legitimately a little bit burnt up about the fact that he went away to basically uh, lose to Razor Ramon and come right back home. Yep. Richards reverses a whip, sending the franchise chest first into a corner, where he bounces out into a sleeper, only for Shane to hit a low blow and atomic drop, and crouching Stevie on the ropes as well. A double-team clothesline by Douglas and Tommy before tossing Richards out to the floor, where Dreamer grabs various plunder from the crowd to work Stevie over. Back in the ring, Richards' nuts continue to get worked over when Tommy smashes a phone over his head and body-slamming him into a chair. Dreamer then heads up top, where he misses a splash. So Raven now wants to tag in using a chair, falling fist to the nuts, before bringing Stevie back in for a leg drop that gets a two count. Richards then goes for a powerbomb, but instead drops Tommy right on his head for a near fall. Uh, yeesh. Yeah, right on his head. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of the theme of the night. (laughs) Raven comes in and he uses the title belt across the head of Dreamer before a drop-toe-hold, second-rope-elbow-drop combo from the nest. Double team vertical suplex for a two count. And Raven heads up top, coming off with a pump splash, landing on top of Tommy as he's making his way to his feet. And so, I mean, that move wasn't communicated correctly. No, no, no. I mean, Tommy might be out on his feet as he just landed on the top of his head. <laughs> Dreamer is then knocked down by a Stevie kick before Raven delivers a pile driver for an airfall. And Richards is working over Tommy, but Dreamer retaliates with a clothesline and makes the crawl to the corner for the hot Hot tag. tag. The franchise is laying it in with right hands, avoids Raven with a chair before using that chair himself, setting it on the top turnbuckle to hot shot Raven onto it for a two count. Shane then drags Stevie back into the ring, where he hits a pile driver for a near fall, while Raven and Tommy are brawling around ringside. Cactus Jack runs out, but Douglas sends Richards into him, followed by a belly-to-belly to Stevie, and makes the cover. But the meanie is distracting the rest. You get that, that biz pin. 
The franchise goes after Jack once he realizes the pin isn't being counted, which allows Raven to come back into the ring with a chain-assisted fist to Shane for a two-count. The Blue Meanie is choking Douglas across the ropes when the Sandman jumps in the ring and starts to cane everyone, including the referee. I mean, he canes the ref a lot. Sick. He leaves, allowing Raven to make a cover, but the ref's still out. So he picks up the franchise to nail another pile driver for the pin, and no, Shane kicks out. And Richard pulls the legs. Richard yanks Douglas balls first into the ropes before Raven face planting for a two count. They both run the ropes when they bump heads for a double KO. Stevie hits some headbutts, a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall, and Raven telegraphs a back body drop. Allowing the franchise to deliver a DDT, (sighs) leaving both men down on the mat. I mean, there's claps for Shane Douglas, uh, which is nice to hear as he was booed out of ECW uh, when he left not too long ago. Raven prevents the franchise from making a tag before Richards hits a Stevie bomb for a two count. Follows it up with a turnbuckle smash and a whip to the corner, but it's reversed only for Richards to leap up and over a charging Shane, sending him back to the opposite corner, where Douglas leaps up and off the second rope with a back elbow. The franchise then makes the crawl to his corner for the hot tag, bringing Dreamer in with a frying pan on everyone, including Stevie's balls, before hitting a power slam on Richards, making the cover, only to be broken up by a Raven chair shot. That's what we call uh, huevos rancheros. Yeah. Raven continues to use the chair to lay out Shane, while the meanie has climbed to the top rope for a moonsault. But before he can leap off, Tommy has knocked Stevie down to take the blow for a two-count, as Raven breaks it up again with the chair shot. DDT by Raven onto that chair for a near fall, as Douglas breaks up the pin, kicking him out to the floor and following out with a biscotto. Beulah's now on the apron and tapes a frying pan to Dreamer's boot. I mean, come on. Nice. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He follows it up with an insiguri to Richards for the pin. And and the win. Post-match, Blue Meanie says something to Shane, which sends him chasing the Meanie with a frying pan all around ringside, finally catching up with him with a shot over the head. Hmm. I wonder what he said. Or do you know? I have no clue. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> he may not have actually said anything. It was just part of the show. Yeah, yeah. We then go to our fifth match. Juventud Guerrera <gasps> hey. versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Wait, Rey's fighting somebody not psychosis. Yay! Mm-hmm. And how. So Rey wants a handshake, but Guerrera spits in his face. So Mysterio just arm drags out of the opening lockup. That's the Hoovie I know. Hoovie comes back with a airplane spin, only to just stop and dump him down to the mat for a two count. We get some mat wrestling between the two, followed by Ray just turning everything into an arm drag. When Guerrero nails a spine buster before turning it into a leg lock, where Mysterio starts slapping Hoovie. So Guerrero turns it over where they're on their heads and they continue to slap each other. 
They do like it's kind of like a headstand like leg bridge thing. It's like they're on their heads and their legs are locked and they're fighting for a position and they're just slapping each other upside down. And it's pretty incredible. <laughs> it's definitely uh, unique as hell. Yeah. At least uh, considering we are not guys that have seen a bunch of. We've only ever seen lucha in the U.S. or lucha inspired. Yeah things yeah i don't know if i'd ever seen anything quite like that more slaps continue when they make it back to their feet followed by ray kicking hoovy's legs out from under him so he lands on the ropes a waist lock is avoided by mysterio and he goes for a springboard moonsault only for guerrero to have moved so ray lands on his feet before hitting a monkey flip to send hoovy out to the apron where guerrero showboats a bit allowing Mysterio to jump off the top rope with a hurricanrana out to the floor. Yeesh. Back in the ring, the two men are running the ropes when Ray would drop down. So Hoovy nails a somersault leg drop, but Ray comes right back with a clothesline, a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, and a springboard rana that sends Guerrera out to the floor. Mysterio follows out with a somersault plancha, before continuing the attack by wrapping a chair around his neck and running Hoovy into a ring post. Posted. Guerrera is then handed a light bulb from the fans. Yeah, I think then uh, he kind of realizes it's a light bulb. (laughs) Yeah, so he like sets it down (laughs) as he's getting into the ring. Well, I'm not going to stab the man in the neck. And Hoovy delivers a drop kick followed by a German suplex. Guerrero then nails a springboard spin kick for a two count. A Liger bomb for a near fall before hitting a leg drop. Hoovy keeps up the attack with a press into a bridging fallaway slam for a two count. But Ray comes right back with chops and avoids a charging Guerrero. They then flub a corner spot only to improvise it into a Huracarana for a near fall. Another Rana from Mysterio before delivering a power slam and heads up top, where Hoovy meets him there to attempt a super splash mountain. But Ray counters into another Hurricanrana for the pin and, and the win. You know what I would love to see? Like a, a large wrestler, somebody like Archer, Hobbs, Wardlow, or uh, even like Claudio do, is when um, Hoovitude does the like long press slam on Ray, then just drops him down to his arms and hits the fall away slam. It would look so good if one of these large wrestlers just fucking did that on anybody uh, as a signature. I actually feel like the fall away slam is kind of a lost art. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if I've seen anybody even doing that move. No, yeah, and the thing is, like, it looks good, but, like, the, that, like, doing that pregnant pause of, like, yeah, look how strong I am, dropping him down, and then just... Backwards, yeah. and then maybe even, yeah, like, uh, yeah, and then roll it into a pin, or you, if you're, you know, like somebody as large as Hobbs or whatever, just lifting that leg and fucking staring down the hard cam would be so nice. So and I'm trying to remember, sometimes it, didn't Razor do something similar to that? Well, Razor does, the, Razor does the follow away slam. I was yeah. trying to remember if he ever did it where he pressed I don't think he up. ever yeah. did the press into yeah. the follow away slam. I think the press into the follow away slam is, was, I was so beautiful that I was like, Somebody that's, that's big such, should that's do such that. a tough move to do if you're not like a big guy versus a small guy. Yeah, exactly. But well, like, if my yeah. friend Claudio is listening, mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to see. Yeah, I would love to see a big guy 
do that and just like get it over uh, i think it would be cool and uh it's not something like you don't see those fallway slams very often anymore so it's not you can't point at it and be like oh well that's like this just a thought i had we then go to the ring and joey welcomes taz and bill alfonso and fonzie claims that 911 won't be coming out anymore to make saves because the human suplex machine is going to finish him mysterio then comes out to tell them not to mess with 911, adding that he isn't afraid of Taz. And Alfonso starts mouthing off, so Ray knocks him on his ass with a spinning heel kick before nailing the human suplex machine with a springboard body press. He tries for another springboard move, but Taz catches him and dumps him down to the mat. Ray's sent to the ropes, so he goes for another springboard, this time a hurricanrana that drops the human suplex machine on his head. Mysterio goes out to the apron to try one more springboard, but Taz catches him and delivers a T-bone suplex. The human suplex machine then goes for a choke slam, only for Ray to counter into another Rana, only for Taz to pop right back up and land another T-bone suplex. The human suplex machine and Fonzie then leave the ring as J.T. Smith and Hack Myers come down to check on Ray. When J.T just starts attacking him. <laughs> so Hack starts attacking Smith, knocking him out of the ring and brawling to the back. Joey then calls for damage control. So I guess that's the name of the paramedic hottie that ECW has. Yeah, it just says damage control on her, on her shirt. But yeah, <laughs> that seems official. <laughs> Styles goes back to talking to the crowd at this point when he's interrupted by a woman. And she shills for Nitro. Tune, tune into your television every Monday night. But says she's not leaving ECW. But she will have to be carried off kicking and screaming. Just like she was on the last TV episode we watched. Mm-hmm. Woman then offers Joey a spot in WCW. Which, that would have been fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, him on the mic uh, could do the show some good. Him and Bobby, I think they'd be fun together. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything to get Bischoff out of there. And Tony Schiavone, we love him, but do we like him? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I like him more than I love him. He, I, I like I like him when he's <laughs> holding a microphone for a wrestler. Yes. I don't know if I like him on comedy. And, you know, just fuck Mongo. But Styles wants nothing to do with Monday nights. Sandman then makes his way out to the ring where woman tries to get him to go to WCW with her. But he just calls her a bitch, all while not knowing where the stationary camera is. Because his back's to it the entire time. Whole time. Woman then challenges anyone to come remove her physically from the building. And Too Cold Scorpio makes his way down to the ring, where it seems like he will go with woman, but changes his mind, picks her up, and carries her out of the building, throwing woman into a limo and yelling... Take that bitch to Atlanta. And the car peels out in the snow. Which is the most safe thing in the world. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Totally. I, we, I'll call it out now. This is the exact same thing that we saw on the TV episode. So why they had it here, not real sure. I, yeah, I guess because now they have I mean, the I guess that was, they in, mean that it was this in Philly. This is in New York. They have a lim- they have Maybe they didn't see snow. it. Oh, yeah. Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie then make their way down to the ring. 
saying that they are delivering a message from Raven to Sandman, asking if he wants to back out of his title shot. And Richards repeats the offer with the added, or else, of a Stevie kick, with Meanie wanting to do it. But when he tries, Blue Meanie, like, doesn't reach Sandman with the kick. <laughs> so Sandman just canes him across the head. Sandman's gonna kill you. Sandman says he's coming for the belt before continuing to cane Meanie on his way out of the ring. Richardson blames Styles for everything that's gone wrong, wanting an excuse to give Raven for when he arrives, as they do right that second. <laughs> and Raven calls Stevie a moron and talks about how he gets the crap beaten out of his personal funky every week. Hey, Raven, isn't that what you do to Stevie? Stevie? Yep. Yeah. He just learned, I, I learned it from you, Dad. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Raven then calls Sandman something, because it's a really long beep. Yes. Like, watch him call him by his full name or something. Mm-hmm. Richard Allen Joseph Sandusky, or I don't know. I imagine it's probably a little <laughs> spicier than that. Before pointing out that Sandman can't handle his drink. What? Richards then says he has a surprise for Raven, saying he's suing Missy Hyatt for sexual harassment. And, like, to show him that, he has to, like, reach around and rip Meanie's pockets in his shorts, yeah. which took way too long. Styles. Yeah, Are but you I sure mean, you want to reach in It was there? funny. It yeah, was funny. it was funny. It did take a second, though. I mean, Meanie's busting out them shorts. It's a uh, tight, tight fit to get a couple fingers in there. But, of course, this brings Missy Hyatt to the ring. And Stevie says he's filing a restraining order. But Raven just offers her a spot in his entourage with... It ain't like you hadn't been here before. Hyatt then brings up Dreamer impregnating his ex, which just angers Raven, and he looks to go after Missy, which brings Sandman back out to cane Raven. Well, she not only calls Kimona a whore, but she insists that Raven has a low sperm count and couldn't have got her pregnant in the first place. That's right. Hyatt then offers her managerial services, if not more, to Sandman, lighting his cigarette and opening his beer to seal the deal. That's right. Let Mama fix everything. Uh, oh, dude, there's a moment. Let me light your cigarette for you, but I'm going to take that first drag. And let me have the first sip of your beer before I pour it into your mouth. Let Mama fix everything. <laughs> I love that Missy asks Joey uh, if he's 18, and he says... I was, was when this started. thing started. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I think. And I was like, yes. He's like, yeah. Such a perfect, yeah, the one of the one of the many reasons that Joey Styles yes. is one of the best to do it because, like, he points out the absurdity of it without, like, shitting on it. It's so funny. Yes, the segment went more than 20 minutes. It goes on for a long time. And it just kind of runs, like, every storyline that's happening in ECW. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, well, we could have kind of skipped the... Like, the last episode of Hardcore TV was very fun, but this kind of runs a lot of it back yeah, in an extended yeah. way, but it's still very fun. We then get our sixth match. J.T. Smith versus Bubba Ray Dudley with Dances with Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and Big Dig Dudley. And J.T. interrupts Bubba Ray as he's trying to say his name saying he got busted in the cranium a few moments ago, if you remember. Hack Myers yeah. beat him up. Mm-hmm. He's got his head all wrapped up. So he offers 
to pay off Dudley. You know, the real Paisan way. $100. Bubba is amazed at the sight of money, but Big Dick won't let him take it. So Smith kicks Bubba Ray's balls. <laughs> Dudley recovers quickly and nails a Bubba bomb for the pin and, and the, the win. win. But he also picks up the money as well. Damn right. You earned that shit. And the post-match, the crowds want some dancing. And Big Dick actually allows it. Yes. Above his telling desk. him to get back in the ring. Hey. To dance. I mean, uh, he also, you know, gestures that he's going to the strip club. Yep. And he runs off with that. But 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 Bubba's going to go see some boot 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 boobies. With his but but Bubba bucks. <laughs> we then get our seventh match. The Roughneck. Mr. Hughes versus Sabu. Yep, the man that Lex was afraid to fight, that stole the urn from the Undertaker. Yep, that's that's, that's what. Yeah, that's what that's we remember Hughes. when we think of Mr. Hughes. Like, no, I don't even remember that. I just think of Mr. Hughes either with suspenders or with without hat. suspenders, and with a hat, without a hat. Yeah, lumbering around the ring. So Sabu goes after the Roughneck's legs to no avail. Allowing Hughes to just beat on him in and outside the ring. Until the roughneck charges into a back body drop that sends him into the crowd. The homicidal one then grabs a chair for an air sabu from inside the ring, over the ropes, into the front row. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Followed by a pescado. Only for Hughes to catch and ramming into the ring post. Posted. Shoulder first. The Roughneck uses a chair multiple times before heading back into the ring, where Hughes keeps up the attack on the shoulder, until Sabu jumps on the Roughneck's shoulders to hit a DDT. Hughes responds with a clothesline that sends the homicidal one rolling out to the floor, only for the Roughneck to give chase. And Sabu looks to set up a table, but he has to use a chair to knock Hughes away momentarily, before going back into the ring to hit her air sabu into the corner, causing the roughneck to fall through the ropes to the apron. The homicidal one then sees an opportunity, so he attempts another air sabu, but Hughes moves and the homicidal one bounces off the table. Oh, you, you see the table, and it is the wrong table for wrestling. It is bigger and heavier, and it's not the right table for a wrestling table. This thing looks like... it came from a like VFW in like 1947. <laughs> this is a this is a two two person lifting table. And uh, that's why our man bounces off of it. The roughneck goes back to work on the shoulder, but Sabu reverses a whip to send Hughes hard into a corner, bouncing out to take several clotheslines and a springboard leg lariat. But the roughneck kicks out at one and goes back on the attack catching the homicidal one to deliver a slam before working a nerve hole. Oh, brother. Sabu escapes with a back fist, and he rolls out to grab a chair before getting back in the ring to use the chair multiple times and tries for another air Sabu, only to be caught and dropped with a power slam for a two count. Sidewalk slam by Hughes for a near fall. Whips the homicidal one to the ropes, who comes back with a tilt-a-whirl head scissors. But then he goes to jump on the roughneck, but he's caught and just dumped out to the floor. <laughs> they begin to brawl around ringside, 
when Sabu places Hughes on that table, before coming off the ropes with a slingshot leg drop through the roughneck and the table. Sabu. Yeah, boy. Sabu. Hughes makes it to his feet first, though, as they both climb into the ring, where the roughneck gets rolled up for a two count. Homicidal One then goes for a Rana, but he's caught and dropped with a powerbomb. Hughes now heads up top, but Sabu meets him there and attempts a super hurricanrana, only to just fall on his head. Like, seriously? Yeah. All these guys either getting dropped on their head or falling on their head. That one made me cringe just because of knowing about his neck previous neck injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Mr. Horrible. Hughes is like, yeah, he's not coming down. He just holds strong and Sabu <laughs> crashes to the mat. And Sabu, as much as he is a Cirque du Soleil kind of guy, he does not land on his feet like a cat. No. The Roughneck then comes off the turnbuckle with a clothesline for an airfall. Falls up with another sidewalk slam for a two count as the Homicidal One gets a boot on the ropes. Sabu is then kicked out to the floor, so he grabs a chair while he's out there before rolling back in, only to be body slammed. Hughes then places the chair on the homicidal one and heads up top, but misses on the splash attempt, allowing Sabu to deliver an Arabian face buster for the pin and, and the, the win. win. I mean, oh, you know, Hughes. That was nice of Sabu to basically avoid pins. Carry Hughes. Well, yeah, but to avoid pins, uh, even nicer to avoid pins by getting his foot on the ropes most of the time. But then all it takes is it's just like, oh, like, an Arabian face buster, and Hughes is gone. I mean, I don't want to take an Arabian face buster. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Couldn't get, couldn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. But, hey, Sabu won. So we go to our eighth match. The Gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed versus Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio. And the gangsters bring a trash can of plunder with them to the ring. Mm-hmm, some goodies. And they dump it out into the ring. And then fans just start throwing all kinds of items into the ring as well. Yeah, yeah. mostly like beer cans and shit. But yeah, they're... they're. Uh... It's like they had sent out a let's make a deal list of, you know... Yeah. Everybody bring one of these things because <laughs> it just seemed like there was people... Not only throwing shit in the ring, but just like standing at ringside of, here, take this, take this, take this. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like the ECW crowd is a lot of the same people. And this is like, oh, the New York guys, like I'm sure a lot of the, oh, some people drove up oh, for yeah, and everything like that. But I mean, there's uh, some some eager and at this point in the show, probably drunk fans that are probably happy to oblige the uh, insanity to ensue. So everybody starts brawling. With Jack and Too Cold headed out to the floor, while Mustafa uses a chair on the Sandman. Frying pan shot from Scorpio back in the ring to New Jack, followed by tossing him out to the floor and leaping over the ropes with a plancha. Saeed's using a toilet seat to hip toss Sandman, before Too Cold comes in to use a cookie sheet over the head of Mustafa. We call that the shit toss. <laughs> Jack makes the save, only for Scorpio to hit him with the cookie sheet as well before New Jack uses a wet floor sign over the head of Too Cold. It will be with blood soon enough, I'd imagine. Cookie sheet and the chair are used on Scorpio by Jack. Big boot from Saeed to Sandman. New Jack's now using a pool cue 
on Too Cold. While Mustafa takes the fight to Sandman out on the floor, only to be run into a guardrail. Scorpio is hit with a frying pan, but he comes back with a super kick and a chair shot to Jack. While Sandman leaps over the ropes with a Nintendo in hand to Saeed's head. Fucking Nintendo, man. Nintendo, man. It's been showing up, man. I love the, also, why have we not seen more pool cues in ECW? It seems like the perfect, maybe, I I mean, like, you can do it over the back, probably. I mean, you can't do any of this stuff safely. These guys are taking unprotected chair shots constantly. But the pool cue seems so perfect for a brawl. It is a thing from uh, movies. It is a long, thin stick. You know, it's not a two-by-four. Oh. I want to know when we're going to start seeing Nintendo Presents ECW. <laughs> Whatever the show name. Uh, never. That game doesn't come out until the PlayStation 2. Mm, okay. I mean, at this point, well, no, Nintendo is I, I don't mean the video game. I mean as the like show sponsor. Yeah, yeah. At this point, Nintendo is probably like $15 because it's like 96 So it's like, ah, oh, it's just <laughs> old technology. Too Cold now uses the chair on Mustafa to force him back into the ring where Saeed has the pool cue. New Jack now smashes the Nintendo and a chair over Sandman's head while Mustafa hits a power slam on Scorpio inside the ring for a two count. Too cold with another super kick to Saeed before hitting a moonsault for a near fall, while Sandman uses the trash can over the head of Jack. Sandman's busted open. Scorpio has climbed to the top rope again, but Mustafa knocks him down, crotching himself on the top turnbuckle before nailing a drop kick to send Too Cold tumbling out to the floor. Mustafa with some moves. Mm-hmm. Drop Saeed. kick, man. First wrestling move of the match. Too Cold did a moonsault. No, Too I mean, oh, yeah, from, from Saeed. Uh, oh, yeah, he did the, he did the, uh, the shit toss. Yeah. We, but, you know. From, from, the, from the gangsters, it's been all weapons and okay. destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we saw a moonsault. Yeah. Saeed then flies off the apron with a double axe handle. While Sandman has rolled New Jack back into the ring to hit a slingshot somersault leg drop. Mustafa is sent into a guardrail, but he charges out with a clothesline to Scorpio before taking a chair from the crowd to use over Too Cold's head. Sandman then breaks the toilet seat over the head of Jack before body slamming him and heading up top for a leg drop. Sandman is then back body dropped by New Jack over the ropes to the floor while Scorpio hits a big boot on Saeed. And that leg drop, I mean, we always pointed out, this was more like just a fall. He fell off of the top. Yes. Jack drops an elbow from the apron on Sandman before hitting a frying pan shot and choking him. Inside the ring, Too Cold does something to Mustafa and heads up top, delivering a twisting splash for a near fall. Sandman takes a cookie sheet to New Jack, while Saeed hits a big boot to Scorpio. Now everybody's finally back in the ring all at the same time, where Mustafa has a kendo stick now, using it on the Sandman, followed by Jack doing the same. Too Cold then attacks Saeed from behind, spraying hairspray in his eyes. I mean, that sounds like it would feel bad. For the pin. And And the win. Post-match... Sandman continues to get beat on by New Jack with the cane, so Scorpio rolls back in to clear the ring. Too Cold then wakes up the Sandman with a cigarette and some beer, before the two of them do some dancing, as Joey says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. Look at Too Cold coming in there, doing the 
the woman thing mm-hmm. of lighting the cigarette, pouring in some beer, waking up the Sandman. Aww. At this point, my favorite Sandman gimmick is bringing him back to life at the end of a match because it's it hasn't worn out its welcome like uh, like the intro or the bad leg drops where I'm like, oh, or the cane. I'm like, oh, well, that's still funny. It's, <laughs> that one hasn't worn, worn me out quite yet. Too cold, Scorpy bro. Mm-hmm. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Big Apple Blizzard Blast? Good show, good show, good show, good show, good show, and then the end happened and... Yeah, pretty good show. A whole lot of promo, but it's mo- it's mostly fun promo that stays entertaining for the most part. And then they saved the garbage match for the last match, which I always appreciate. Some, some decent uh, character stuff. We're moving people in, we're moving people out, and doing it moderately intelligently. Mikey Whipwreck and Cactus Jack stuff, still very entertaining. It's not... There was, like, the last time we were in New York, I was like, okay, this was a fine ECW show, but, like, it didn't really feel like much. And it's like, oh, well, they gave New York a little bit more this time. Granted, you know, storylines are progressing and stuff. They might have been just a, a stale moment at the time. So I was really into this show. Even the Headhunters. I was, I was like, digging it. Okay. We've been surprised by Headhunters mostly because of a moonsault. But they're big. The long 20-minute promo segment type thing, with that, I was even okay with, just for the sheer fact that, like, if we hadn't watched the hardcore TV just last week, yeah, all of that would have been brand new stuff for us. It wouldn't have, there would have been no retread at all, and it would have been fine. And still, that being said, that we've already seen some of these ideas, it was still entertaining in a longer form. Exactly. Yeah. But we all know what Mr. Hughes does. He puts that nerve hold on, and we all go to sleep, and the gangsters do nothing to wake us back up. Nope. So, watch the first six matches of this show, and then turn it off. I yep. will say that the Mr. Hughes Sabu thing, I expected a little bit less... But I can't say that I, I was it impressed. Had been less. Yeah, not not time. I just meant like no, in I general. Just mean in general. Yeah, just less. Yep. Just less, and it would it wouldn't matter what happened as long as it was less. Yeah, it's, it's like less. we had a a great meal that was coursed out, and then all of a sudden we, we really got... put Hughes through the table on the first try, rolling back in, hit the Arabian face buster, match over. Yeah, yeah. I, but, yeah, that's totally. But yeah, we I ended... mean, the dude got up before. Sabu did after going through the table. That's our Mr. Hughes. That's that's what Roughnecks do. Like, I was just like, um, go, go away. He go stole, away, Yeah, Roughneck. he stole the urn. The man that Lex Luger was afraid of. I mean, I'm just kidding, obviously. But, you know, the like the, the big long promo stuff is was fun because they're moving characters in and out and we're getting some shifting. I mean, I think the fun thing about ECW at this point in time is when you everything it feels like one big unit I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna use WWE terms mm-hmm. from 2022 it feels like one big universe everybody is involved 
with everybody everybody else. Yep. Yeah. While in current day, it's like these two guys are in their world, their segment. So yeah. it's like that's their part of the world. These guys are over here. These guys like it doesn't feel like a cohesive thing. Yeah, this is uh, like like a Marvel comic book event. It's like, well, it's all just tying it together now. Yeah. Yes. And it just, and sometimes it, yes, it does get a little messy. We, we, we agree. And we see that sometimes. Oh yeah. The messy is what, what it is though. But most of the time it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you just, you know. As long as you're here for it. Yeah. You could easily be like, you could easily just not choose not to engage with it. But if you choose to engage with it, like you will be entertained most of the time. Yes. It's, we've come a long way from where we started with ECW. And yeah, this show, it started off strong. And then it just, like you said, Mr. Ended with a frying pan whipper. Yeah. Yes. Like yes. I said, it's a, an eight course meal where we had, you know, greatness in those first five, six courses. And then we just, came together with like tapioca pudding with raisins yeah. for dessert. I mean those the first like seventy five percent of the show or whatever is the crash T V. But it all feels like the same episode yeah. of whatever that is as opposed to, you know, different uh different episodes of Jerry Springer. It feels like one but extra long episode where everybody's got a beef with somebody. Too hot for TV. Too hot for TV. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show? Do we run back Headhunter Moonsault? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. Uh, Missy Hyatt was a fun promo. She was fun. The Eliminators getting the win, guys. New champions. I mean, yeah. Remember when I told you that they were brought in just to be fodder for the Road Warriors and then the or for the Steiners? I yeah, mean, yeah. For the Steiners, and then the Steiners left, and we haven't seen them since. The Eliminators are still here, and Eliminators. I, I feel like they're getting better and better every time we see them. And I mean, the Eliminators are a key component to the show, the same way that Public Enemy was, or the Pitbulls have been. Like the Eliminators are. Figured in, as you would say. Hoovy and Ray. Yeah, that was that was really good. So it's, it's hard to even think of like what, what all happened because so much happened. Lots and lots of hurricanes. Yeah, and Ray was uh, stuff. Ray was ready. Ray just jumping all over the place. No, he drank his uh, tab before the show. <laughs> I I loved J T Smith trying to pay off the Dudleys after being hit in the head earlier and he's injured. He's yeah. like, I don't want to have this match, guys. Here, here's some money. Here's a hundred bucks. Sandman, when he came down during the Raven Richards Douglas Dreamer match, his cane shots were like perfection. Nasty. I mean, yeah, it hurt to watch, but then I couldn't stop watching at the same time <laughs> because he was hitting them just one shot, bam, perfect. Is that the one where it just breaks into like just like banana peel? Yeah. 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 I'm like, ah, <laughs> cut somebody open. It's like, well, that's, that's fine. That's what happens here. How about most disappointing? <laughs> it's, they put Sabu against 
Mr. Hughes when he could have fought anybody else. Like, it makes no sense why Hughes would face Sabu. Like, does Heyman actually think that Sabu can carry Hughes to a to a match? Typically, they have to put I mean, Sabu, Sabu in there with somebody who can help carry him because he's wild all so over the place. So crazy all over the place, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sabu, they don't have, I guess, anybody for Sabu at the moment. They didn't bring uh, RVD. So Sabu's, I guess, the one person that doesn't really have much of a story happening at the moment, but he's still a favorite. So it's like, well, we'll put him on this show with this until we figure out what we're going to do with him or, you know. Yeah, he's kind of the one guy that's just kind of like floating in the wind. Off yeah. in the corner, like he's our attraction, but... Yeah, but he doesn't, yeah, he's not, there's no big storyline with Sabu yeah. at the moment. Like, outside of, that, like, eventually him and Taz will happen, but right now. Well, now that the 911 stuff, because, like, they kind of had Taz, Sabu there, like, basically Taz kept talking about Sabu, and then 911 came out, and so it was Taz and 911. Now 911's gone, so I wonder if they move back towards Taz and Sabu as a kind of, Keeping both of those plates spinning, you know, yeah, kind of thing. All of the, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily falls in disappointing, but just the fact that so many people were dropped on their head on this one. <laughs> that, you can call that disappointing. That is I don't know if it's disappointing or surprising or what, but yeah. It, and it, was, it wasn't just small little close calls. It was boom, right on top of your head. Boom, yeah. right on the back of your head where your neck twists. Yeah, there was way too much of that going on in this show. How about best performer of the night? It's Ray for me. Because, I mean, he had that great match with Hoovy and then comes out and confronts Taz. Yeah. Which is fun. I can go with that. It's... I mean, next up probably would be JT because I just... Yeah, see, it, JT, it, it, I was like... laugh. It made me laugh. Also, but... yeah, he has, like, a slight, like, speech impediment. So when he says Paisan, it's very <laughs> funny and kind of cute. Yeah. JT was who I was looking at. And I mean, we'll I mean Joey get... Styles is always a good choice. Shark Attack Kid, because who knows if we'll ever see yes, him again. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. we will see the Shark Attack Kid again. Oh, do we? All right. It may not be the Shark Attack Kid, but we'll see that guy again. Okay. 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 Somebody we know? No. Okay. Ah, we're just right. going to see him more. Like, is he that dude that ends up in TNA, Shark Boy? No, that's definitely <laughs> not that guy. Different guy. He comes back with possibly a worse name. Really? Than the oh, Shark shit. Attack Kid. Damn. How about most surprising? Hoovy's first appearance? Yeah, Hoovy yeah. I was like, oh, damn. And we're going to, yeah, get rave, like you said, with somebody that's not psychosis. psychosis. I love Joey throwing the uh, shade on the segment without, like, shitting on it. With the, oh, yeah. How I was 18. I was started. 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, are you 18? Well, yeah, it was when this started. So good. Again, we've mentioned it a few times, but the fact that Sabu led a match. Yeah, like we said, it's, a, <laughs> it's solid and fun, and then it loses steam at the end, although the crowd is into the last match, so it probably gives a little bit more oomph just because they're throwing things into I mean, the ring. I think, but... I think we can always agree that plunder matches are much more fun when you're there. Yeah, or like it was... Because you're into the show yeah. a lot more than like just sitting on your couch like just watching people hit each other yeah. over the head and we've seen them for so long too that it's like oh they were kind of fun and exciting when Terry Funk was doing it like 
a year and a half ago or whatever, and now it's like, okay, we see one of these all the time, and it's not really new, and it doesn't have the the gravitas and the the grizzled, like, lumbering Terry Funk behind it. So yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, they're all pretty, like, abled body and young guys, and then, you know, Terry Funk out there with his his old man face bleeding and sweating like just kind of adds a little more weight to it and it was fresher at one point when mm. that when that's what terry funk came to do here most of the time making their way to the ring it's trivia time mm, what do we got this week the category is the champ is here So, five points for whoever buzzes in with the correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. I'm going to give you the show and the championship, and I want you to give me who the champion was at the end of that show. Okay. Okay. Understood. So I'm looking for who was the ECW Tag Team Champion at the end of November to Remember. 1994. Hmm. November to remember 1994. I know. I'm like, well, there's a handful of people, and I want to just buzz and make. I'm just trying to remember November to remember. I mean, yeah, I don't remember. It's like, I got (laughs) a few ideas. I got a few ideas. It was in November. Yeah. How's this? I'll go out on a limb. And then Shane will probably get. Multiple choice. Michael. But I'm going to go with Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, The Public Enemy. That is correct. Ah, Nicely done. I mean, I figured they had to have been champs. Uh, There was a 50% chance they were champs. They defeated Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipper Uh on that show to become champions. Yeah, that checks out. I mean, I feel like it's like, well, they're the... I'm just curious, then. Who would be your multiple choice? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Just to see what I would have had to go from if he was wrong. Benoit Malenko, Cactus and Mikey, Public Enemy, and Sabu and Taz. Okay, so yeah. I probably would have gone for Cactus and Mikey just because... Maybe the four champions that were right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. It would have been one or the other, for sure. I didn't... Malenko and Benoit, did they even have the tag titles? I don't remember. Yes, they won them... For a split second. Split second. Yeah. Because they were part of left. Yeah, yeah. Because they were part of triple threat. Triple threat. That's what yes, it was. Yes, triple threat was fun. Yeah, all I could think of was three Pete, and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> no, <laughs> three Pete's also a fun name, but doesn't really work for that faction. Next week, we're back to TV shows because we're going to watch another Monday Night Raw from February fifth, nineteen ninety six. Hmm. I'm intrigued. I always get intrigued by these Raws. Because I'm like, well, what's what's the, what's what's going on? Hey, we're going back to Stockton, too, huh? Oh, it's a taped show, but Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot a, we did that The old double the shot. Oh, this is a triple shot. Because this is two weeks after the last one. Maybe I'll have to get the other half of that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Music from this week's show is Thunderkiss 65 by Rob Zombie. 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. And Two Cold Scorpio made the pin. So we're going to play his music. Whoop, there it is. 
by Tag Team. Huh. Oh, yeah. Cool. That song is playing again, eh? That's right. There it is. Hey, Tag Team. They're back again. If you like this episode or anywhere else, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns. Recipes. We're going back to Cali. What are they eating? Back to Cali. Yeah, what are you eating, Stockton? Anything famous from there that I don't know of, or maybe that I do know of, but didn't know was from Stockton? (laughs) Or a nearby area? Yeah, I think it's just uh, a town like the one that I think I live in. Just a little town in Oklahoma. In California. Well, I need you to do some digging through your family then and ask people what they ate back. They don't know anything. Or, you know, if there's people there now. Hey, give me some ideas. Mm hmm. But you can send us those on our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters.